You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Well, good morning. Welcome. My name is Nathan. If you're new here, we're glad you chose to spend your morning with us. We're here to worship the Lord, right? We're here to uh, give him glory, learn, be encouraged, be lifted up, and ultimately transformed, right? That's what we want. We want, we want him to transform our lives. We were one thing before him, and we're saying, God, I, <laughs> I, I tried it on my own. It's not that good. I need you, Lord. And so this morning we're in this series, the third week, The Gathering, as we talk about the church, as we say, Lord, what do you have for the church in 2021? What parts of church do we hold on to because it's tradition, and what parts, Lord, are we missing uh, because it's tough or uncomfortable? And so this has kind of been the series, and this morning the sermon's title is Spectator or Participant. So far, you've been participants, right? You sang songs, you stood up, maybe you prayed. Did you say hi to anybody when you came in? Perfect. You fellowshipped. Check it off the box. You did it. Right? And then we get to the part here of listening to the word. And, and I, I really I want to engage more in this part and make sure that it's not just spectating. I want you to be engaged in active listening. And Christ actually talks about this. Right? And if you're at home watching, same thing, active listening. One of our pastors, Pastor Tim, is uh, on the chat, so feel free to reach out, say amen, hallelujah. If you say amen, it has to be in all caps, otherwise it doesn't count. Um, And just let us know where you're watching from, and we're glad to have you here with us. So here's the thing. Jesus Christ says that there is a certain type of listening that his followers, that he requires of them, right? So grab a Bible, Matthew 13, or your phone. Remember, this is participation not spectatorship, so grab a Bible. I don't think I gave the team my verses, right, team? Yeah, you have nothing, huh? So this is one of those moments where having a phone with the app or a Bible will be crucial. If you don't have one, there's one underneath the seat in front of you because often when I get going, I make things up. So you hold me accountable. (laughs) That's a terrible thing to tell people. We're going to start in Matthew 13. It's a very popular parable, and parable uh, comes from the Greek word, which essentially means metaphor. It's used to describe, you tell a story to describe a concept which is much higher, much greater, much more difficult to understand. So the story helps simplify it so that you can understand something much more difficult. That's the whole purpose of a parable. Jesus, of course, in most of his parables, is talking about the kingdom of God. I'd say that's a pretty lofty high thing and difficult for us humans to understand. So thank, thank you, Lord, for teaching in parables. Otherwise, we would be lost, right? And so here's his parable of the sower. And there's something in it that I want to show you that both Matthew, the apostle Matthew, and the good doctor Luke are going to point out uh, that goes towards this participative listening. Matthew 13, we'll start in verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there. While the whole crowd stood on the beach, he told them many things in parables, saying, listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came, and they ate them up. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. 
But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they, were, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds, those fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then we get to this verse nine. And we know the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Verse nine is very close to being next as it has five words, at least in my Bible, the NRSV version. Let anyone with ears listen. Now, do you think Jesus thought that there were people listening to him who had no ears? Earless people? Right? So we know that's not it. We can instantly say, okay, this is not a literal ear people versus non-ear people. In fact, let's see exactly what he means. Luke, of course, being the historian and the one who has such a great attention to detail. If you turn to Luke chapter 8, and we look at 18, Luke is telling the same parable of the sower, and then Luke is going to follow it up with another parable that Christ told of, uh, you would never take a light, your lamp, and put it under a jar, right? What would be the point? The whole purpose of light is to fill the room, not to be covered. And so he's going to follow that, uh, the parable of the seeds, with this jar parable, and then in verse 18, he's going to say something which helps give you more of an understanding of what Matthew is telling us with, if you have ears, listen. He says, pay attention to how you listen. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who do not have, even what little they have will be taken away. That's such a strong statement, is it not? You know what that sounds like in Christian modern it sounds like the wealthy, keep, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, right? Yeah, have you heard that statement here in America? And it feels that way, like the big companies. Did any of the big companies really suffer during this time? Google, Amazon, Target, Walmart. They seem to do pretty good. Mom and pops, those suffered. Small restaurants, those suffered. Small businesses suffered. It actually is the same thing. You see, one is talking about money and material things, and Jesus is using this concept to talk about one spirit, saying that when you are given something small, when you handle it well, when you are given a taste of God, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, when it comes into your life and you, you, you respond and say, yes, more will be given. But when you're given that same thing and you just sort of throw it away, you put it aside, you put it in that junk drawer at home, you don't pay much attention to it, he says, even that little bit that you will give in will be removed from you. So have ears that are listening. What type of listening? He says, pay attention to the type of listening that you're doing. And as I look at church, right, church is listening, so much of it. We participate in song and then we sit and we listen. So how are you listening? I've asked a lot of questions leading up to this Sunday, and I'll ask a few more today, but the reason I've asked so many questions and have not answered them is because often when you ask a question and let somebody think about it for a week or two weeks, then you actually spend time and think about it, right? Whereas if I were to ask you a question and immediately give you an answer, well, you don't need to think about it anymore. That's why Jesus talks so many times in parables and often does not give an answer to the parables. Sometimes he does, and we'll see that here. Because he wanted the people asking the question to think. 
and having children, you do this all the time with your kids. When they ask you questions that you know they know the answer to, they're just too lazy to do the thinking to get to the answer. So let's look at this here because this next section is going to get, uh, Christ is going to get pretty personal here. Verse 9, let's read that again. Let anyone with ears listen. Then the disciples came and asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? He answered, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to those who have more, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But to those who have nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive. And hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. You see, this is written to fulfill the prophet Isaiah, where he said, You will listen, but never understand. You will look, but never perceive. For the people's hearts has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes, and listen with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn. Because if they did, I would heal them. This is, this is a tough verse. Because what this shows us is that God gives the secrets of the kingdom of heaven to some, but not to others. You catch that? You've been given the secrets. They haven't. So I need to speak to them in parables. I'm drawing them, Peter, John, Matthew. I'm drawing them. I drew you differently. I called you out of your life, and I plucked you up, and I pulled you, and my spirit revealed who I was to you, but I'm drawing them differently. So I need you to have patience. I need you to show kindness. I need you to have forbearance with them. You hear me? This is what he's saying. And in case you're doubting, that's what he's saying. I'm going to show you in just a minute with the follow-up parable he's going to give. This is exactly what he's wanting to teach his disciples. For some it has been given to teach. For some the secrets of heaven have come to them and it naturally they understand it. For others, be patient with them. Walk through life with them. Teach them. Love them. Because you don't know what the Father is doing. But for those who it has been revealed, now hear this, especially for us in America, such a wealthy people, both with knowledge and materials, to those who it has been revealed, the secrets of heaven have been shown, and yet they've taken them and thrown them on the ground. He says, woe to them, because any little bit of knowledge they had of me will also be stripped away from them. And he says it fulfills the prophet Isaiah's words, that although they have eyes and ears, they cannot see and understand, or they cannot see or hear, and although they have minds, they cannot understand. They can't even ask me to forgive their sins. Remember the story of uh, Jacob and uh, what was his brother's name? Yeah. What did Esau trade his birthright for? Soup. Now, soup is good food, okay? The closer I get to 40, the better soup looks on any given afternoon. Amen? Oh, my God, you get But not a soup with things that are hard to chew because I want it soft. Soup. 
He traded his God-given birthright, the right handed down to the firstborn for a bowl of soup. He took the secrets of heaven and he threw them on the ground and said, you are worth a bowl of soup to me. That is why the punishment upon Esau is so harsh, in case you're wondering. You're like, geez, it's so mean. His brother Jacob's a liar and a deceiver. He took the blessing, the secrets of heaven, and threw them on the ground. And what Christ is saying here to his disciples is, gentlemen, have forbearance and patience with those who I am drawing, because not everyone has been given the secrets of heaven and accepted them and heard them and seen them. So as a church, this is a, this is a big ask, right, of the pastors and the elders here is how, how do we build a community of people, who, some who have seen, some who are following, some who have opened their life, repented, others who want to, others who maybe did years ago and have fallen away and, and are seeking him again. And then there may be those in here who just... I haven't done any of that yet. I don't know if any of this is real. And so he's going to explain this. He's going to explain this here. Turn to uh, verse 18, Matthew 13, verse 18. This is one of the times that Christ explains the parables pretty clearly. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is the seed that was sown on the path, right? So the first seed he talked about was seed that was thrown out to be um, sown into the fields to grow a harvest, and yet it falls on the path, it falls on the road. These people, this seed, he's speaking about four specific people here. This seed, the seed that falls on the path, are those who seek answers, the kingdom of God, theology, doctrine, but no relationship, no heart, no transformative life. They seek knowledge for the sake of knowledge. They seek knowledge to debate other people. They wish to have more knowledge and be smarter, and so they study all the great church historians, and they study the philosophers, and they learn the arguments of debate, and they have it down, right? These people have it down. Good luck out debating them. It doesn't matter. They could even go take your side and prove you that you are wrong in your own side, right? These are people who love knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, what kind of people are these? Loud, noisy gongs. You ever met somebody who's just full of knowledge but no love? You like hanging out with them? Are you them? It's okay. It's a safe place. They're terrible. They just love showing you how smart they are. They don't care about you. They don't even care that their knowledge can help you. They just need you to know that they know how good you know they are. And it's... it's, it's you don't want to be around them. This is these people. He says, they sought the kingdom of God for the knowledge alone, and so the birds came and picked them away. There was no heart there. It didn't take much for them to turn away from God. It didn't take much for them to turn away from their knowledge. All they needed was some new thought of the day, culture of the day, to come in, pique their interest, and now they had something else. This is the first type of seed. He says, the second seed is this, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, 
Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. So we see a lot of this in large churches, in small churches, in the Christian church in America, is we convert people through an emotional meeting on Sunday mornings, through goosebumps, through passionate teaching, through coercion, and we get them to receive Christ, and now these people are on fire, right? They love God. They're going to their work. They're going to all their neighbors. They're inviting them to church. Every week they show up with more people, and you're like, this person is on fire. And they're going, and they're not being discipled, and their roots are growing super shallow. And it says that as soon as persecution comes, not just any persecution, but persecution on account of the word, that they will fall away, that they will be withered as the sun would wither a small plant that is not deeply rooted. And all of their fire and all of their passion will be washed out. Think about that. You see, a church that doesn't strive for discipleship, that doesn't strive for accountability and community, that doesn't look to be all facets of the body of Christ, not just the ones we deem important or culturally think are better than the others, but says, together, we must work through this. Those who are here on their road, on their walk with Christ, and those who are just beginning. Those who tripped and fell off the road and are looking to get back on, and those who haven't even found it yet. Otherwise, you create converts, not disciples. And according to Christ, not me, Christ, converts will fall away and wither up at the first sign of persecution or trouble. You ever feel that? I know I'd been a believer for a long time, and yet when the first big trouble came into my life, I struggled to know whether or not I could trust God or love him. So it's not a matter of time. It's not just people who just gave their life to Christ. It can be a Christian who has followed him for years. And so sometimes some self-examination when we read the Lord's words, that means we have ears to hear and eyes to see what God is saying this morning. Verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. This is the most dangerous, dangerous seed and soil. And I dare say, this seed and soil is, without any exception, the American church's biggest hurdle to overcome. You see, every other seed that finds soil has joy. Even the guy who has all the knowledge in the world, although he has no relationship, he loves having, being smarter than you. He loves researching, he loves studying, filling his brain with knowledge, expanding his mind. He finds joy in searching out the kingdom of God. The person who has shallow roots, right, gets converted and is very shallow in their faith, they have tons of joy. They're on fire. They believe in the transformation that happened, although they have no understanding of it. This person, the thorns, 
has taken deep roots, has grown, and yet because of the fear of the thorns, because they are so near them, they have not borne any fruit. And so this person looks like all the other fruit trees that were in the good soil, and yet they aren't bearing any fruit. This person is miserable because they are so concerned about money, health, image, that they cannot trust God, hear the kingdom of God, hear the words of God. They fear what the thorns will do to them, so rather than growing out, they just sort of stay tucked into themselves. As soon as God calls them into something that's uncomfortable and they feel the prick of that thorn that they're near, they recoil back in. They're always wondering why God isn't answering their prayers. They wonder where God is. Why me? And this is not the unbeliever. This is the Christian. This is the one who has heard of the kingdom. The secrets of the kingdom of God have been revealed to them. They've said, yes, Lord, I give you my life. And then they live amongst the thorns. Scared to be damaged, hurt, uncomfortable. I just, I caution us because this one's speaking directly to the church that we not allow ourselves to be weary of the thorns but that we go to the gardener and we say, would you move me, Lord, to some fertile soil? And if I need to bear fruit before you can move me, then would you uphold me as my gardener when I get into the thorns? See, God doesn't always move us out of the thorns. He says, I will stay with you as you grow into the thorns. Because the only way I can move you is to be a tree that is bearing fruit. The very next parable, remember I said that we're going to see the tie-in here? The very next parable that he tells in Matthew, that Christ tells, is the parable of the weeds among the wheat. Now, this one's really fascinating. Because this one goes against common knowledge of what we think you would do. It says that this farmer goes and plants his crops and his wheat begins to grow up healthy. And then while everyone's asleep at night, an enemy comes in and plants, sows bad seeds, sows weeds. And as the time goes on, the servants of the landowners say, hey, there's all these weeds popping up next to the good crops. Should we tear them out? And the farm owner says, no. If you begin to tear the weeds out, you're going to tear out the good wheat as well. Let them grow up together. When they have fully matured and it's time to harvest, then you will pull the weeds out and then you will throw them in the fire and then pull the weed out and bring it into the storehouse for harvest. You want to know something really cool? What makes this parable come alive? The weed that he is talking about, the weed that grew in that region at that time that Jesus was referring to is a weed called a zazania. A zazania, as it grows, grows and looks just like wheat. It grows just like wheat. You know the difference? It bears no grain. So as they grow together, you think it's wheat, you think it's wheat, you think it's wheat, and then all of a sudden, no fruit. And what Christ is teaching us here is exactly what I said earlier. Whereas the servants say, get it out right? Get it out. The, the weeds are taking precious resources from the soil that is for the wheat, and that is true. They are going to suck. That's what weeds do. They're parasites. They suck the natural resources away for themselves. 
There's strength in the weed, but there's no fruit in the weed. And so the natural man says, get him out of here. Get those fakes out of here. And Christ, what he's trying to show us through this parable is, no, leave that to the Father. I want my people to grow alongside those who don't know me. You catch that? I want you to bear with them. I want you to love them. Whenever you hear this idea of Christian communities where you get everybody out of the world and we build our own nice little sanctuary where we can stay away from the world, that goes so much against this that you'd have to ask them, how do you deal with the parable of the wheat and the weed where Christ clearly says, I want you to grow up side by side with one another. I want you to bear one another's burdens. I want you to do it in love. And when the right time comes, he, the gardener, will harvest says he sends his servants, the angels, and they will harvest. They will separate the wheat from the weeds. It's not our job to do that. Have you ever thought about that? Our job is to love, to care for, to teach the secrets of the kingdom of God, to forbear one another's burdens, and to be patient with one another. Who here loves patience? I talked about this a few weeks ago, right? We hate patience. But Jesus says, this is what I'm calling you. This is what my church will look like. It will be my sons and daughters who have been shown, who have eyes to see and ears to hear, living alongside those who don't, revealing my Holy Spirit to them by loving them. By loving them. This was his plan. This is why this last year has been so dangerous. Not so much because of the physical disease that COVID-19 is, but because of the isolation that it has put billions of people around the world in. God created us to be in relationships. He created and designed us for these relationships. And so when you have a disease that says for a year, you must be separate, you must be tucked away, you are not allowed to see, touch, hug, there is nothing greater the devil must love than to see God's people made in his image, slowly dying, separated apart. That's why we've seen depression, suicide, anxiety, exponentially increase year over year. Exponentially, through the roof. Because that's what happens to us when we get separated from the community that God has intended us to be in. So how do we do this? How do we participate? How do we stay in the fold of what God's doing, and this is the question, and this is what this last year has shown us as pastors and elders, which is, how do we shepherd well, right? How do we shepherd well? The, the disciple that has been shown the secrets, is a teacher, has followed, has sacrificed, has, has walked with God along with the brand new believer, along with the person who maybe is first time in church in years, How do we make sure and love them both? And then how do we do it a thousand times over? Right? And that became clear, painfully clear in the COVID year of 2020 that we may do a good job putting on a Sunday morning service, but we don't do a good job shepherding people that God has placed here before us. And so that's where we're going to see change and where we want to bring change here in 2021. It's our responsibility and commitment to you, the church, to say, we want to shepherd you better. We want to help. We want to lead. We want to know if you're not here. We want to know if you're sick. We want to know if you're hurting. 
How can we love you? We want to help keep accountable where it's needed. Now, no one likes that one. No, no, I like the first stuff you said, but the accountability part, I'll take care of that, chief. And I figured you call me chief as like a demeaning way to go ahead and... No one wants accountability. We love to be free. We love to just do what we want to do and, you know, God will judge me. Oh, yes, he will. No, but seriously, that, that's the purpose of the church. And then here's your, your commitment is that as the church, as, as we make a deeper commitment to loving, shepherding, and guiding, you're making a commitment to just those two commands that God has called us to, which is to love him, right? First and foremost, he is my all, my everything. I'm not gonna allow the lures of the world, money and health, to choke out the influence of what God is doing in my life. And then the second is that you would love your neighbor as yourself that we would begin to actively participate in these two things and not be spectators, not see other people, not keep listening to other people's stories of how they're getting involved, but get involved. Jump in, be uncomfortable, open your home up, have lunch with somebody today after this, stand out there in the lobby and pray and say, who should I talk to? And then go take them to lunch and maybe pay for it, and maybe it's me, and maybe you'll wait until after third service, and you'll take me somewhere nice. It's all self-serving, right, Jordan? Right? Philip? You know what I mean? It's so simple. It's so simple, the, the, the being the body part, and, but because of our culture and then COVID has magnified it, we, we, we just want to get out of here when this is over with. I want to go back to my bubble. I want to go back to what's safe. I wanna, I've got a long week ahead of me. I'm telling you, you want to handle the week better? You want to handle what comes at you? Spend today loving other people and loving the Lord. And maybe that just needs to start with your family. Maybe you need to, it's going to be 70 for a high today. Get outside. There should be no excuse. Go outside, lay in the grass somewhere. Unless you're allergic, lay on the cement. It won't be hot. <laughs> Just get outside. Grab your family, grab someone you love, call somebody you haven't seen in a while, bless them. What will happen is through that, through that action, God's spirit brings you to life. And things that are going to come up this week, it's funny, but his spirit, where it reached you in this moment, comes alive again. And you have peace. You have the ability to handle it. It's, I, I can't explain it until you do it. This is how the Lord has brought me out of depressions. This is how he has brought me out of difficult times, out of extremely painful times. It is always through service and loving other people, taking my eyes off myself and being that seed that was planted in the good soil. What does that seed do? Does it say it grows up super tall, taller than all the other seeds, and it's mighty and strong and can bench a lot of weight? It says it produces fruit. A hundredfold, sixtyfold. What does fruit do? It feeds the people around you. That's your job. That's my job. That's our purpose, is to feed the people around us. And I can only produce fruit according to Christ, not me, according to Christ, if I'm in good soil, if my ears are attentive to the voice of the farmer. 
if my eyes can see that he's working in my life even if I don't feel it. You understand? So over the next coming weeks, we plan to help you see and, and continue. You've seen it in some of our life group stuff and our classes, but uh, we want you to know we, we, we love you. We are grateful for the opportunity to serve. We are grateful that God has kept this place open, and we don't want it to just be open on Sundays, right? That's why we've got Wonderwise, this entire, they take up the entire wing now, and we're looking to build onto the back of the church, hopefully, more to come on that, because they're out of room. We've got a Jewish Messianic church that meets here on Saturdays. We've got classes that meet here throughout the week, but there are still so many times this building is empty. You know how, you know how many buildings there are like this in Santan Valley? How many do you think this size, this big? One. Us. So we want to see God every day of the week, moving in ministry, doing things for our neighborhood, and we'll need help. We'll need help from people, right? One day a month coming out helping, but we want to see the hand of God constantly moving because he's, what's he done? He's entrusted us with much. And according to Jesus, if we've been given much, then much is expected of us. So I'm asking you to partner with us in that. Will Shepherd. And we'll, we're going to take a greater responsibility in, in uh, looking after your life and what's going on and how are you doing and calling when we don't see you and miss you and making sure and help keep you accountable. And then you love God and love your neighbor. Sound fair? Is that a good deal? Yep. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, before we come to your table here to enjoy the supper of the Lamb, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us eyes to see. If he's given you eyes to see, I just, wherever you're sitting now, thank him. Thank him. If he's given you ears to hear the message of the cross, that the body and the blood of Jesus washes your sin clean, thank him. If he's given you understanding to know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the prophesied Messiah, thank him. If he spoke to your heart today and you, you realize maybe you're on one of those, the path, the rocky ground, or the thorns, say, Lord, help me to bear fruit where I am and move me to good soil. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with him. God, as we go about this week, I pray for those in this room. As we face family and coworkers and neighbors, would your grace and your mercy rest upon us? Would we hear you speak, Lord, when we're in the word or when we're sitting quiet before you? Would we be able to show the same kindness, forgiveness, and love you have shown us? Lord, go with us this week as we leave this place. We don't pretend to do any of this on our own power or good morals, but by the blood of the Lamb alone. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Let's take the bread. Christ took the bread the night that he was betrayed, and he said, this is my body. Disciples, this is my body. Through my body, you will have access to the Father. 
a right once separated for the high priest alone will be for all mankind, Jew and Gentile. So taste and see. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good as we remember the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. He took the cup, and it says, he held it before them and let them know that this was the blood of a new covenant. Not just a covenant for the people of Israel, but for all mankind. That there will be no more sacrifices, no more blood. His blood alone will bring righteousness and justice, and we receive that when we receive him. So thank you, Lord, as we remember the blood of Jesus Christ. We lay our lives before you this week, God. Would you use, and use us and allow us to bear fruit where you see fit? In Jesus' name.